Our philosophy here on Two Teas in a Pod is to use English in its most natural form. Therefore, occasionally a bad word may slip through the net. This episode contains adult language. Welcome to the podcast, Two Teas in a Pod. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Two Teas in a Pod. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Katie, we've done 50 episodes. <laughs> it was shitter than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well. Uh, hang on. <laughs> yes, we have done 50 episodes. Who would have thought that we'd have got to 50 episodes when we were sat in a bar all those years ago. Like three years. It's taken us three years to do 50 episodes, too. Well, it's pretty good, though. There was a pandemic. There was a pandemic going in the way <laughs> a little we bit. We could have been at 50 a long time ago. Although we actually did more episodes during the pandemic than a normal oh, year, sure, didn't we? Shut up. <laughs> We're busy people. But thanks. If you're still here and still listening, if you've been here with us from the beginning, then we are so grateful uh, for you. Yeah. Uh, and if you've joined us later, then... Don't feel free. Feel free to go back and listen to the first ones, but but also don't feel obliged. Well, I think you should. Some of our early ones. They were they all right? They were great. God, when some we were... of them I listen back and go, oh, what were we doing? Nah. Well, um, when we were back in Ben's living room, <laughs> it's a little bit echoey. A little but... bit. But we had the great ones. We had the food episode. That's true. That's true. The food episode was that really was cool. really good. Uh, we had we talked about pet peeves. We talked yeah. about New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I concede. There were some good ones. But if you haven't, go back and check out the whole back catalogue. We've talked about climate change. We've talked about stress. We've talked about games. We've talked about films. We've talked about food. We've talked about restaurants. We've talked about. <laughs> Can you name all 50 of them? We've been to conferences. <laughs> uh, we've talked about exams. We've talked about the first certificate, the use of English, the reading, the writing, the speaking. Book clubs. We've done book clubs. We've read short stories. We've read long stories. <laughs> we've talked about travel. We've talked about travel. We've talked to people who have traveled the world hitchhiking. We've talked to, about stories. Oh we've my talked God. to storytellers. Storytellers have told us stories. That you've talked about, you've said stories. Already. Yeah, but, but storytellers telling us stories as part of the stories episode, which is one of our most popular episodes. Uh, we've talked about things to be cheerful about in 2020, right before a global pandemic <laughs> hit. <laughs> <laughs> that one's particularly interesting to go back to. That's a good one. Because it was recorded a month, Literally before. a month before. We're like, no, 2020 is going to be a great, great. year. <laughs> Um, we've done homages to other podcasts. We did Films to be Buried with by Brett Goldstein. Get, how do you remember all of this? Uh, I don't know. Keep going. Um, we did an homage to the Off Menu podcast. Well, we talked about our favourite meals. We talked about our favourite meals. What else the, have we done? The, what, the homage to the film podcast, whose name I can't remember. Films to be Buried with. Films to be buried. Oh, you've said that already. Uh, we talked about mysteries. We've we talked did. about unlucky people. <laughs> We've talked about... You must have mentioned at least 30. I had one then, but it's gone. Anyway, there's loads. Check out the SoundCloud. <laughs> there's loads. Tim's mentioned most of them. <laughs> Check out the SoundCloud. We talked about phobias. 
Okay. If any of those tickle your fancy, I'm taking control. If anyone, if any of those tickle your fancy, please go back and listen to them. Mm-hmm. Because there's fifty of them. Because there's fifty of them, and that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and in- we still don't make any money off of this goddamn <laughs> thing. <laughs> soon, someday, soon, someday, soon. It's nah, for the love. We it's do for it for the love. the love of the thing. And for the love of our listeners. Um, if there are any. Yeah, if you are listening. <laughs> there are, there are, there's loads. Um, so, uh, enjoy this uh, wonderful book club episode, um, which is our 50th, as we said. Do your, do your do-do-do-do thing. Da-da-da-da-da-da, 50. Bye! Two teas in a pod. Welcome back to Two Teas in a Pod. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. It is a miserable grey day in Barcelona. <laughs> but any day in Barcelona is going to be all right to some Well, compared to respect. England, we've just been looking at the how <laughs> rainy it is in London and how rainy it is in Glasgow. And did you know? <laughs> Katie, what's your fun fact? Fun fact? It rains over twice as much in Glasgow as it does in London. Yeah. So, you know... Stop put, complaining, London. <laughs> yeah, and, and stop complaining, Barcelona. It's one of the very, very rare rainy days in... Rainy couple of days in Barcelona. Yeah. But we're here. I like the rain. Yeah, it's all right. It gives me an excuse to stay inside. Yeah, exactly. Which I do, I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. But we're here, but curled up uh, at hearing the rain outside with a nice book. With a nice book. Welcome to the book club, guys. <laughs> Perfect for a rainy day. Hope you've day. all got your tea and biscuits. Mm-hmm. What else do you have at book club? Uh, Probably these days, loads of wine, but as it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But if, you know, wherever you are, it might be not might not be 10 o'clock in the mo- morning. It's wine o'clock somewhere. <laughs> um, so where did we leave the We left book? off. We'd just gone to see uh, Joyce's daughter, Joanna, mm-hmm. in London. And Cornelius. And Cornelius. Yeah. And they had given um, Elizabeth and Joyce some information on Ian Ven- Ventham or Ventum? Ventham, I think. Ventham. Yeah, on his finances, the finances of his companies. Um, so they got some inf- uh, interesting, damning information. Damning information. Um, and they'd finished their trip to London uh, on the train on the way home, having gin, gin and tonic in a can, just like you, Joyce used to do with her old buddies when they used to go and see West End shows. Indeed. Mm-hmm. G&T in a can. Lovely. Um, so right. we're kicking off with chapter 24. Chapter 24. So mm-hmm. what happens in this one? So we begin with a bit of an insight into Elizabeth. So she... We find out that she's got a husband. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time we've heard about her husband? I'm not sure. I think he might have been mentioned. Oh. Um, but it's the first time we get an insight into his state of mind. It's not, it's, it doesn't really have much of a state of mind. Mm-hmm. He's got some kind of dementia. Yeah. And, um, t- he, he is a very intelligent person. Mm-hmm. I think he's like a scholar of yeah, art, art. Uh, Middle Eastern art or yes. something, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the, in the beginning of the chapter, you don't really know that he's her husband. It's only like, I think it's a half of the chapter that she says that. Yeah. That. That he's that they're married, mm-hmm. um, that he talks about his first wife all the time. But he's passed away. But he 
he gets confused and thinks that he mentions their daughter. He's saying like, uh, here it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Emily. Mm-hmm. Uh, this morning before her trip to London with Joyce, they'd been talking about Stephen's daughter, Emily. Stephen is worried about her and thinks she's getting too thin. Elizabeth disagreed, but all the same, Stephen wished Emily would visit more often, just so they could keep an eye on her. <laughs> However, Emily is not Stephen's daughter. Stephen has no children. Emily was Stephen's first wife and had died nearly 25 years ago. At that point, you're like, oh, oh. that's sad. But what I quite like about the book in general is that it's kind of interesting insight into growing old and mm-hmm. what that means and what yeah. all these people are dealing with. Yeah. And maybe that's why they are so into the Thursday Murder Club because it's something else to focus on. Maybe yeah. a distraction from the realities of old age. Yeah, and it gives them some meaning and some purpose. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. And then Elizabeth's obviously super worried about her getting dementia, so she's constantly testing herself. Yeah. I really yeah. like her technique. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. So what she does is she sets herself a question in mm-hmm. her diary Mm-hmm. And she writes herself a question for two weeks in the future. Mm-hmm. Something very specific like, um, and she's very specific about what kind of thing. So that's really going to make her remember. Not something like, she can guess. Not something she can guess. to be something guess. difficult exactly. to remember. So her question is, what is the license plate number of Gwen Talbot's daughter-in-law from two weeks previously? Yeah. So she has um, to remember not the color of the car or the make of the car. The remember the ni- license plate number. License plate. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could do that? Uh, I don't know. I, my, I don't remember license plate numbers. I don't remember numbers. My sister and my dad memorized number plates. Oh, really? Yeah, just naturally. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they were just like... Are they I spies? Remember they're, they're just, they, they know like everyone, all of their family and friends' license plate numbers. I think when I was a kid, I used to know like my parents' license plate numbers, maybe. Just because you see them all the time. I guess so. Yeah. Why? It's not even like it's important. Anyway. I don't know. When you're a kid, you focus on weird things, maybe. <laughs> I guess so. We're getting off topic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what she does. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's a good test. And so she's, she's, I guess, what if she fails? Well, she says it's like her early warning system. Mm. She likens herself to uh, seismologists looking out for like <laughs> earthquakes <laughs> and volcanoes <laughs> and things. So if one day she can't remember, then she's like, shit, this is the first sign. The earthquake is coming. The earthquake is coming. That dun, may dun, be this thing with my brain. Yeah. And she's, you know, she prides herself on being very intelligent and using her intellect a lot. So the idea of losing that would be like the worst. Be terrible. Thing. And yeah. like she sees what's happening to Stephen, like he's writing all the time. Yeah. Because he's used to writing. He's always been an academic, but and he spends all day writing. And then she goes and looks at what he's been writing. He's just been copying, copying articles crap. from the newspaper. So he's just the process, the the action of writing is what he feels he needs to be doing, but he's not really doing anything anymore. Yes. Scary. Yes, indeed. There's a, there's several things. Um, like she's trying to keep him at home as much as she can, and whenever she goes out, there's the occasional. You know, when she comes home, there's the occasional um, flood that she that's been badly cleaned up, yeah. or the washing machine is going which makes me think he might have had an accident Yeah, of the number two kind. Yeah, maybe. Um, and yeah, she says that he doesn't cook, so... She's not worried about the house burning He's not going to burn the house down, but <laughs> she's just waiting until 
somebody finds out. Yeah, and they get taken away. Yeah. So um, to keep him safe, she sedates him by putting tamazepam in his tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's typical Elizabeth. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Oh, because I think she's scared to lose him. Um, yeah. So he's already medicated and she's medicating him more with yeah. sedatives in his tea. <laughs> Um, but he still plays chess. They still play chess, right? Yeah, he, he kicks her butt, doesn't yeah, he? He's, he's still really good at chess. There we go. Yeah. Muscle memory, important thing. Mm-hmm. There was an interesting expression in this episode. Um, to do a number on someone, it mm-hmm. says they're really going to have to do a number on Donna and her boss. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because um, she's organized a meeting with Donna, DCI, DC Defritas, and DCI Chris Hudson. Hudson? PC Defritas, because she's PC. only a constable. And oh, DCI. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a typo. Um, yeah. They're coming over. Yeah. For tea. Yeah. Later. Exactly. And they, so they're plotting. They're going to have to do a number on them. Mm-hmm. Um, which means which to means trick them, to trick deceive them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know that Elizabeth wants to be more involved in the investigation. Well, the, the whole club in general. Indeed. Uh, so that's that's kind of the end. That's the end of chapter four. It was very informative. Mm-hmm. Twenty-four. What did I say? Four. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really quite finished my morning coffee. I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Tra- chapter twenty-five. What's this one about? Chapter twenty-five. So uh, this is the first time that like Donna is really uh, first working with Chris. So. She's man- the murder club have managed to get her assigned to the case, and so she's been assigned to shadow um, Chris, um, so she can work on the case with him. Mm-hmm. And they're just sitting on a bench, uh, looking at the sea, eating uh, an ice cream, eating an ice cream, and she's reflecting on: Is this what it means to be a detective? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In this part of the world. Yeah. Another example of Chris just, you know, constantly comfort eating. Yeah. Having <laughs> yeah, cream. that's true. Forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, poor Chris. Yeah. Um, and then she, he, she's reading through the uh, Tony, Tony, um, the Tony, current, current file, mm-hmm. um, and she's sort of fantasizing about finding like a clue that's been overlooked or yeah, finding sort of Hollywood the key, moment. Yeah. Yeah, the piece. The fitting, mm-hmm. the missing piece. Exactly. But uh, that obviously doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just saying like, ah, it turns out that that day was actually a bank holiday. So mm-hmm. his alibi can't be right. It can't be true. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like later on, that's what that's what happens. Anyway, little nugget of a spoiler. Mm. She also mentions um, Chris's dress sense. Yeah. That she's going to have to change. If they're going to become partners, she's going to have to talk to him about his clothes. Yeah, exactly. Um Chris isn't taking care of himself, really. No. Is he? No. No. Um, so Chris is just going to see Ian Rentham and yep. They're going to go and interrogate him or have a have a chat with him. And then um, he says, I'll ask the questions. Yeah. And then he goes, oh, unless, actually, unless you want to ask any questions. Mm-hmm. I know, it was kind of interesting. And she says, exchange. well, I, I'll probably want, I'll probably to ask a, questions. want to ask a question. Nobody yeah. puts baby in the corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, nice. Some interesting expressions in this episode, in this chapter. So one was um, to carry something off with a bit of panache. I mm-hmm. think it says, uh, 
direct quote is, murder drugs, someone who carried off a no comment with a bit of panache. So to carry something off with panache means to do it in a dramatic way with lots of flair and drama. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Is that French, panache? panache? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Flair, drama. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one, which is he would have to hand it to her. Chris would, uh, he would have to hand it to her, which means he would have to concede that she was correct. Yeah, acknowledge that she was good, right? Yeah. It's the expression normally is like, oh, I gotta hand it gotta to you. Gotta hand it to you. You've done well, you know, <laughs> I have to admit, you've done good. Exactly. You did it well. I have to <laughs> hand it to you. And another one that I thought was interesting was Elizabeth had come good again, mm-hmm. which means Elizabeth had delivered elizabeth had yeah produced good produced results good yeah. results mm-hmm. to come good had come good again mm-hmm. elizabeth always comes good she's she always does yeah very reliable new, new evidence and information indeed and then the next chapter 20 chapter 26 we're back with joyce again mm-hmm. joyce's diary i thought this was a very sweet chapter yeah so she's finally invited bernard for lunch she's is bernard been... the one that was on the bus yeah. That she fancied. Yeah. Okay. So she fancies him, but he's recently lost his wife. Um, and she's been constantly thinking about, you know, asking him out or wanting to go and sit next to him on the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's invited him over. Yeah. And she's brought uh, lamb from Waitrose. Yeah. And rice from Lidl. From Lidl. Now... This is very culturally specific to the UK, but Waitrose mm-hmm. is a very upmarket, super posh, super posh ma- supermarket. Rest- yeah, I was going to say restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe supermarket. they have a restaurant. It's Maybe. Super- yeah. Um, and Lidl, uh, many of you will know Lidl, is the opposite. It's, it's a super cheap one. Super cheap, I guess. So she's saying that doesn't for things like rice, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter for the basics, it's fine. But yeah. everyone's catching on, and lots of more little vans around. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. kind of interesting. It's yeah, like, it's what my dad does. It's what my mum does as well. <laughs> goes and it, gets like all the deals in Waitrose, and yeah. goes across the road to Lidl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's something weird about the UK and its classist obsession with class. That so there's a yeah. big thing that, that attached to which supermarket you shop in. Bizarre. And now she shops like, at Waitrose. Ooh, Waitrose. Oh, Marks and Spencer. Yeah. Mm. Wait, who, who's got the money to shop at Marks and Spencer every know. week? My grandma did, having said that. Yeah. <laughs> People with some money. But then later on, they talk about the cakes. Oh, yeah. Joyce's cakes better being M&S better cakes. than M&S cakes. Yeah, M&S is Marks and Spencer's. Marks and Spencer's. So also, the, up class. The, upper, up class? No. Upper class. <laughs> upper class. <laughs> up market. Upmarket supermarket. Oh God. Um so um she's told Elizabeth not Elizabeth knows about this date. That's not a date. Mm-hmm. But she's been she's been told uh not to tell Ron or Ibrahim. Yeah. Because they would have a field day. Mm-hmm. Which means they would have a great time laughing at her. Yeah. So to have a field day is to have big fun. <laughs> big fun at someone else's expense, maybe. But also, Often, Ron, yes. uh, I think Ron kind of likes Joyce as well, so it would be like... Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know, we get that impression I have not picked on. up on that. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it would be like, oh, cause some drama, cause some gossip. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. 
Um, so she's kind of a, the excuse for for inviting Brandon around for lunch is because he looks lonely, mm-hmm. and she wants to look after him like a stray, like a stray cat or a stray dog. Yeah, it's like an abandoned dog. Yeah, or abandoned. And cat. all he does is talk about his wife, his late wife. Well, she's only died eighteen months ago, right? That's pretty so recent. It's quite He's recent. still grieving. Mm-hmm. But so she, she's also still upset about the death of Jerry, her Jerry. husband. I think that was a bit longer ago, but she's still, yeah, obviously missing I him. I think grief's a grief's a circle, yeah, man. Exactly. Um, so we hear a bit more about Bernard's uh, family. Like his his uh, late wife was Indian, um, and then she they moved to the uh, Cooper's Chase together, but then. Uh, she had a stroke. She right? had a stroke quite quite recently, quite just after they arrived, and so she got moved to the the hospice to the Willows, where the really sick and elderly people go, yeah. um, and then left Bernard on his own. And they've got one daughter, Sufi, not Sophie, <laughs> Sufi, but she lives in Vancouver, so she's on the other side of the world. He's kind of um, all by himself. Yeah, poor Bernard. Oh my god. <laughs> Poor Sounds bird. awful getting old, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let's not do it. Let's not. Let's just give up. Let's just give up now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joyce is then reflecting on the fact that Elizabeth wants to have the meeting, the meeting with Donna and Chris, the detectives, in her front room. But she's worried about the fact that the front room is too uncomfortable and it's mm-hmm. going to be very small. But Elizabeth insists that that's going to be a good thing. Yeah. Going to get more information out of Chris. So they're plotting this plan to, yeah, make them uncomfortable to get more information. They're being, it's Elizabeth using her spy tactics. Yes. Yeah. Making them uncomfortable. And then the thing I really like about this, she's making cake for this for this meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's making one of the cakes gluten-free to, um, to make Ibrahim reconsider being gluten intolerant. <laughs> Really yeah, weird. well, I think it says, I can tell that Ibrahim was tempted by the idea of being gluten intolerant. Tempted by the idea of being gluten intolerant. And this will head him off at the pass, so this will stop him from, <laughs> from doing that. I thought that was really funny. But I think it's like she's making a joke, or the writer's making a joke of everybody now Everyone's saying... Everyone's now like, oh, oh gluten's gluten. really bad for you. Yeah, and it's like, come on, you've been eating it all your life. Yeah, you're fine, man. Yeah. You're fine. Exactly. Yeah, to head him off at the pass means yeah. to um, to stop him in his tracks. Yeah, block his way and like stop that rubbish. Yeah, head someone off at the pass. Indeed. Um, there was another expression that I thought was really interesting, which was between you, me, and the gatepost. And this is an expression that you would use between if you wanted to keep something secret. Mm-hmm. So this is a confidential. I'm only telling thing. you, mm, myself, obviously, and and the gatepost, like an an an, an inanimate object. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, another expression for a deaf, someone that's maybe hard of hearing, would mm-hmm. be deaf as a post. Yeah. So kind of all stems from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's twenty chapter twenty six. Yep. So chapter twenty seven. Um, Donna in the car with Chris and they're on their way to see Ian mm-hmm. um, she's uh, considering the uh, photograph yeah and she's thinking that no one would have left a photograph there if it was one of the people in the photograph exactly. that was the murderer because she the thinks photo... it could be a red herring mm-hmm. meaning a false clue exactly because in the photo it was what Tony Jason and 
the other guy else. who's gone missing. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Tanner. Um, so, yeah, she's saying, why would any of those three leave the photo and incriminate themselves? Um, is this also when they're going along? She's, uh, yeah, she's looking out the window, missing the sight of concrete because she's a city oh, girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so thinking, wow, all these trees and bored of all these trees. I'm the opposite. And I think I grew that's up later, the... though. Maybe not. Yeah, it's in this in this chapter. Oh. She doesn't like trees. She doesn't like trees. <laughs> And she, she misses the sight of concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so she's obviously South London. South London, throw and throw. Oh, God, that was really That's, weird. That was Australian. <laughs> never do accents. <laughs> um, but Donna wonders if Ian would be the type to use the photo, right? Yeah, like so to, maybe... for his own, like, stealthy gain. So he, he if he had murdered Tony, he would have put the photo there and been like... Hmm. Yeah, to leave. So I'm going to get so fooled by this photo. Mm, exactly. So maybe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, the exp- yeah, there's an exp- interesting expression here. So Ian had Ian had clocked it and tucked it away for future use. Uh, clocked it to clock something is to... To see something, to, to notice see something. To see something and yeah. notice it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> to clock it. Interesting. Clock something, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then she suggests to Chris that they uh, show the photo to Ian and um, while, they're interviewing in while, him. while they're interviewing him to see what he how he reacts. Yeah, so I think he tells her to watch his eyes when they show him the photo. Oh, right. To be like, watch how he reacts. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, she also says, what's with the iron, iron clothes? You need to iron your shirts. You iron your shirts. And he says, I used to just iron the front bit because that's the only <laughs> bit you can see under the jacket. And then he was like, I'm wearing a tie. No one can see the front. Yeah, well, he's like, well, at least I'm wearing a tie. So now I don't need to iron the shirt. <laughs> and then it finishes by saying... Um, You're never going to get a girlfriend if you don't start ironing your shirts. Yeah. And he says, it's a real Catch-22. I think we've talked about Catch-22 on the show before. Yeah. But is uh, Catch-22 is... A, sit, a situation without without no a solution. solution. Yeah, you need one thing to get another thing, but you need, you need that, that thing, thing to get the, to other, get the thing. other thing. So uh, you get it a lot with bureaucracy, especially here in Spain. Oh, um, yeah. So he says, "Yeah, that's it." Because he says, "I'll start ironing shirts when I get a girlfriend," and then she says, "You won't get a girlfriend if you don't start ironing your shirts." Exactly. Yeah. Um, and he says, uh, I've always found that shirts sort of iron themselves while you're wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> I found the same. Have you not? <laughs> yeah, I've tried that before. Yeah, we've, but you still look a mess. Yeah. Anyway, on to chapter number 28. Um, so we've arrived at Ian's house. Mm. Ian being interviewed by Donna and Chris. Um, Chris Ian is, we open, the chapter opens with Ian boasting about how long he can hold his breath. Yeah. Typical Ian. Yeah, well, he's going on about all his different training all things, things he's doing. Do. And his health things and that. Because earlier on he was listening to like the audio book by the Israeli special forces guy teaching <laughs> him how to be like a SAS soldier in the boardroom or something. So he's one of these people that's really into self-help and yeah. he's being a twat. Probably eating like wheatgrass smoothies and stuff. Oh yeah, he's inventing all these different. Oh smoothies yeah, that's true. He's names. already talked yeah, about yeah. that with all these different mm-hmm. ingredients. Yeah. Um, and as we're there, 
Donna's looking around the room. Oh, God, his house. His house is hilarious. Where is it? It says he's got lots of garish decor. So he's talking about there's a terrible grand piano. What does the grand piano look like? I think it's like pink, right? It's pink with gold keys and zebra. A zebra print uh, stool for sitting on. Terrible. Oh, God. I mean, maybe that would be fabulous, but in the right setting. I don't think there's ever a setting (laughs) for that. Or maybe like Elton John's house or something. Maybe. But then he's got, and he's also got an oil painted portrait with a, a gold frame around it above the fireplace of yeah. himself. Yeah. Carrying, carrying a, a sword. sword. <laughs> <laughs> he's got an emerald encrusted skull. He's got a stuffed eagle. In front of the picture of him. Ew. And then I thought, he, as she goes out at the end of the chapter, she notices that he's got a miniature version of his house in the, in, fish, in tank. the fish tank. Yeah, like in the corner of the decoration. <laughs> God, this guy. I don't know. I thought that was kind of cute. There's, there's things there that I would love. Yeah. Yeah. The, I wouldn't mind an emerald encrusted skull. I don't think I'd want a stuffed eagle. No. Or a portrait <laughs> of myself. But I wouldn't mind a bright pink gold grand piano with gold keys. Well, that would be that would be quite cool, I suppose. <laughs> it's, just, it's, a, it's about, you know. It's just about all of it together. Balance. Yeah. yeah balance. So Ian's being really, very evasive. He keeps trying to change the subject, right? And very pompous. Yeah. And he's saying that um, the only thing that he's worried about is his client's safety. Yes. So I'm trying to say that the argument that he and Tony had was over installing like sprinkler, automatic sprinkler systems to put out fires. And Tony didn't want to do that. And Ian did because he only cares about the safety. Yeah. And later on, we find out that the reason they're arguing is just because um, Tony's not going to get as much money. And it was just... Ian's just talking out of his ass. I don't think I know that yet. Well, it's in that it's coming up. Oh. So. Cool. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. Um, but we know that he's lying, basically. We, yeah. Because you know what kind of person he is. Yeah, exactly. We've heard about his, you know, inner thoughts before. Mm-hmm. He says, um, so I said this to Tony. He's more laissez-faire about the whole thing and not my style. Mm-hmm. What does laissez-faire mean? Laissez-faire is like... Um, well, it comes from economics. I think it means like without regulate, without regulations. Okay. So like, so a laissez-faire attitude means you don't really care about. You're like, well, it's, it it's comes fine. from economics. Well, laissez-faire economics is the idea of not having any regulations on banks or not economy or anything like that. that. Um, but if you use it as like a laissez-faire attitude, to someone who's like, well, it'll be fine. Well, don't worry. It's okay. It's very easygoing. Okay. Um, don't worry about this health safety. Yeah. And then uh, he says, "I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say we argued. I'm gonna say we bickered, mm-hmm. which is another way of, it's like a small argument. Small isn't it? argument, like what kids have, right? Like, or married couples. Yeah. Stop bickering. Bickering. It, unimportant arguments. Yeah. Bickering. Indeed. Um. So then, what happened next? Oh um, yeah. Ian comes on to Donna, says, oh, you're, you're very beautiful. You're very beautiful. Um, and then she's like, yeah, see how beautiful I am when I arrest you. And he was like, <laughs> well, you're only beautiful, I guess, in comparison to the people around here. So he yeah. kind of puts her down, takes <laughs> puts it Puts her down back. straight away, exactly. Yeah. What's that called? Uh, negging. Negging, yeah. Bloody awful. Horrible. Being deliberately negative to someone to, I don't know, lower their self-esteem. Yes. Um, so as they leave, mm-hmm. 
Donna gets a text from Elizabeth yeah. saying that Elizabeth wants them to come round. And Chris is like, no, they're not going to tell us what they're to do. They're not going to tell us what to do. There's a bunch of pensioners. Yeah, we'll speak to them when we're ready. Um, But then in the very next episode, they're at the pensioners' episode. house. Episode. Chapter. <laughs> chapter. They're at the very next... They're, they're, they're there. They're there. So <laughs> shows that who's who has the power in this dynamic. And it's not Chris. Although he, he likes to think he does. He thinks he does, but that's the whole manipulation, isn't that it? That is the whole manipulation. So in this cha- next chapter 29, mm-hmm. we are in uh, Joyce's living room with the Thursday Murder Club. Uh, Chris has been made, indeed, has been made to feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. He's been made to sit on a, on a two-seater sofa with two people next to him, Ibrahim and Joyce next to him. Yeah. Ibrahim's like... Hmm. Well, resting his elbow intentionally him, rested yeah. his elbow so he has to sit right back he's got a big cup of tea in his hand that's overly full and very hot and he's got he's squished in He's. I would imagine he's quite a big lad yeah he's very mm-hmm. very squashed and yeah. feeling very uncomfortable and probably a bit hot yeah and he's like he can't drink the tea because it's, gonna it's too hot and then he um, can't put it down can't put it down because he can't move. To put it and because Ibrahim's like resting his arm on him as well so he's like oh i don't want to make them i don't i would love to move off this chair but i don't want to seem rude i don't want to seem rude so yeah, british so british and but it's all a plan by the thursday so Club to make him feel uncomfortable exactly. so they can manipulate him and they're constantly changing the subject of what they're talking to him about so elizabeth's asking him about the case joyce keeps talking about the cakes yeah. and like or, and then go, and they're go talking on. about tv shows yeah so they're constantly trying to keep him off balance and then Joyce is like, oh, have some of this cake. He's like, no, no, I, I don't want any. She's like, you, you have to try a slice. So she sticks a slice of cake onto his saucer, basically under his cup of tea to make it even more difficult. <laughs> it's like they're piling all this information and stuff. She's just feeling a bit overwhelmed and very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite funny. Really, it's I quite like, an amusing it, one. It's very... It, being bullied by a bunch of old people. Yeah. That's and it's very fun. like... Um, says a lot about the internal struggle of a British person trying, to, <laughs> trying not to be rude. That's I've definitely true. been in that situation before. Yeah, just just accept the cake to avoid yeah. any uncomfortable discomfort. Drink the tea, exactly. So um, he, says he says he feels a bit hemmed in. Yeah, which means cramped, squashed. Mm-hmm. Um, hemmed in. Hemmed in. Yeah, a hem is what you get. It's a sewing thing. Mm-hmm. So what you put round the bottom of your clothes so it doesn't fray. Mm-hmm. So you feel a bit enclosed. Enclosed. Trapped. That's the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And what else have we got? Um. Uh, Joyce is talking about her Sky Plus. So, yeah. um, uh, a box that you use to record TV shows. She's saying she's <laughs> got all these detective shows, um, stored on her. Sky Plus, and she's very proud, saying that she's the only one in the village, in the retirement village, who knows how to work the Sky Plus to record yeah. shows off the TV. Indeed. Um, and Ibrahim uh, goes on about the Rebus books. That's mm-hmm. Barna Mardar. Do you know yeah. that? That's uh, Rebus. Yeah, my my mum loves Rebus. Rebus is a, de- a detective in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Scottish detective. Barna Mardar. Books and series, right? Yeah. So all, all, Hence my excellent Scottish accent. Yeah, nailed it. It's very depressing. Mm-hmm. As I am Scottish, that is upsetting. Never mind. Um, 
Obviously, the Thursday Murder Club are massive fans of yeah. all these different all detectives. These so, you know, they know them all. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on. So the final chapter that we're going to be talking about. So it's a funny bit at the end. Um, what does he say? Well, Chris is saying that, well, thinking that he's actually feeling more intimidated, surrounded by all these old people and pensioners, than when he um, interviewed a hell's angel, so a biker, mm. who had I kill coppers tattooed on his neck. <laughs> he's saying he feels more nervous now <laughs> than when he... Uh, a copper is a policeman, so... He, he's finding this much more it's intimidating, intimidating stuff. Yeah. He's intimidating stuff. So, right. moving um, on. Next chapter. Chapter 30. We're back with Father McKee, mm-hmm. and he is taking a stroll up to the cemetery. It's basically the the cemetery's it's gone through. All the paperwork's been filed. It's yeah. it's it's going. Ian, Ian is getting rid of the cemetery. He's going to dig it all up. Yeah. So he goes to have a bit of a nostalgic walk around, and he's... Um, Seems like a beautiful place, beautiful scenery, great views over the uh, over the valleys. I don't even know where this is. Yeah, over the village, over the beautiful views, mm-hmm. not changed for hundreds of years. Yeah, and he's going walking through the graves and thinking about all of the different nuns that are buried there and mm-hmm. what they would have seen going back for many generations. Um, so I think it's like the oldest ones are closest to the church. Where he's walking from the from the very oldest nuns who were buried in like two centuries before, right up to the last nun that was buried in two thousand and five or something. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way he's talking about the history. So he's going like. Yeah, he's going back and forth. These are the ones who were who were alive during the war. These are the ones who saw the moon landings. These yeah. are the ones like this progression. These would have been time. praying for people coming during World War Two mm-hmm. in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. An interesting little reflection. Mm-hmm. And then he says, <laughs> the place is so beautiful, it almost makes him believe in God. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> For a took, priest. took me aback a yeah. little bit. I was a little surprised by that. It made me mm-hmm. made me laugh. I, th- I think that uh, Richard Osmond's probably saying something a lot about the, uh, the, clergy. the church, the, the clergy church. in general. Mm-hmm. Or it's a little clue about Father McKee. Oh, da, 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 da. he's not really a father. Da, 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 da. Um, so as he's leaving the graveyard, he walks past a man who's uh, also sitting and admiring the view, and he's in in the suit. Mm-hmm. He's got a copy of the Daily Express next to him. Mm, sitting on his Who's bench. That? It's Bernard. How do you know it's Bernard? Because he's reading the Daily Express. Bernard always reads the Daily Express. How? What? Does he? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was someone much more. Ex- Mysterious. No, it's Bernard. So why is he there? Because that's his bench. He always sits there. That's because you've read ahead of the book. No, it's not. We know this. We already know this about really? Bernard. Yeah. Oh, I've not picked up on any of these <laughs> things. Um, well, it mentions a few times that but, but, uh, Bernard's always got the Daily Express and doing his puzzles and things. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um... So the next chapter, final chapter of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens, Tim? We are back um, to Joyce's uh, living room, right, for the yeah. interviewing Chris. Mm-hmm. And now Chris has been given his own chair. Given his own chair, he's been made to feel more comfortable. He's got another piece of cake. I think it's a bit like waterboarding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like um, 
What's it called when you fall in love with your kidnapper? Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome. He's been made to feel terrible and they've made him feel brilliant yeah. and he's that's making him divulge more information. So deliberately like hemming him in and like closing him in and then suddenly giving him all this space, they're thinking it will psychologically make him open up and give them lots yeah. of information. And it seems to have worked, right? Indeed. Um, so he's um, he's talking about, seems to have started blabbing about the case a bit mm-hmm. and he's really enjoying the cake that yeah. uh, Joyce is giving him and he says uh, one thing that amused me there are no calories in homemade cakes yes yeah, like everyone knows there's <laughs> everyone no calories knows there's in no calories cakes. in homemade cakes yeah um, <laughs> and he says that the way they're looking at him they're all like in awe they're like wow a real policeman like speaking to us wow he's feeling quite loved and adored yeah. but obviously they're all faking it yeah. Because they want to get information out they of him. Get information. They've all been coached by Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's saying, admitting, yeah, maybe I've given away too much information. Uh, yeah, I've probably said more than I should. Mm-hmm. And then Elizabeth um, says, "Oh well, yes. Uh, there's meetings have been all given no take, meaning that they've he's given a lot of information, and she hasn't." Mm-hmm. Um, she hasn't returned anything. Yeah. So she hands him a binder um, that they got from Joanne and Cornelius the previous day in London, mm-hmm. uh, which is all about Ian Ventham's financial situation. Yeah. Um, and gives that to, um, to, to Chris for some bedtime reading. Yeah. And Donna says, don't worry, I'll read it. I'll take a look at it. Um, so they've got all this really important information. This is the little exchange. So Elizabeth's plan to get. Spy exchange. Yeah, exactly. And then we end on a cliffhanger. What's the cliffhanger? Jason Ritchie arrives, Mm. which is uh, Ron's son. Oops. Yep. And he's the one that is um, in In the the photograph. So Mm -hmm. Chris really wants to speak to him. Yeah. So yeah. Dun dun dun. So that was an exciting few, an exciting few chapters. Yep. Getting some more background information on people. Indeed. Laying the foundations for some more mysteries. Yeah, I really, f- I did not know that was Bernard on the bench. That's really thrown me for six. Um, I thought it was some mysterious, like, spy man, like some mafia guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really had that in my head. I think when I was reading this with my class, so I've re- we read this book with a, a group of older ladies who I teach. Um, a su- some of them picked up on it being Bernard, some of them didn't. Um, Okay, that makes me feel less silly. Uh, but I think the big clue is the the newspaper that he's reading. And earlier on, they make a point of saying that Bernard always reads that one and likes sitting, looking out on the bench next to the graveyard. I feel like I've got to go back and read it again. Well, not that I'm da- I don't doubt you. I'm <laughs> sure it's true. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that uh, episode and are enjoying mm-hmm. the book. I am. Yeah, me too. And it's very funny. Reading along with us. You see you in the next episode. Bye. Goodbye. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod. Thank you for listening to this episode of Two Teas in a Pod. I'd like to thank our wonderful producer, Ben Ward, our graphics man, Mark Wilding, the lovely singers on our intro. Lisa Marie Court, Bernice Ray, Vicky Milena, and myself. I'm not thanking myself. You know what I mean. And of course, my wonderful co-host, Tim Worry.
See you next time. Bye.